Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. It's time to follow up on some of our recent topics, which we'll do in true commentary style by making book recommendations. First, I'll talk to Cameron about how daily worship has been going using Jonathan Gibson's new book, Be Thou My Vision, which we introduced back in episode 50. Then I'll recommend another new book, this one edited by Gibson, that touches on topics we've covered recently like baptism and observing the Sabbath. Cameron, I want to talk about books this week and really connect and catch up on one book that we've talked about already and introduce another book that I'm really interested in and want to recommend to our listeners because I think it's really kind of interesting and valuable. So let's start by reconnecting with a book we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is Be Thou My Vision. It's Jonathan Gibson's new Liturgy for Daily Worship, and we did an episode devoted to the idea behind it, so I'm not going to repeat everything, but just a kind of a, a, a thumbnail, a reminder, this is a book designed to facilitate daily worship, so it has a kind of liturgy, like a little church service that you can do on your own, that you can do with your family, and this includes prayers, it includes scripture readings, catechism. It has the same kind of liturgical structure as a worship service would on a Sunday morning, but it's designed to make worship a part of your daily life. It's a great resource for people who feel like I I should be praying more. I should be reading my Bible more. I'm not exactly sure how to start, or I'm not sure how to structure that discipline so that I keep at it and kind of make it a part of my everyday life. So since the beginning of the year, Lori and I have been using this book and I've got a few experiences to share. And uh, I know that that you and Jenny have also been doing this as well. Yeah. So I'd love to hear how it's been going for you guys. Yeah, we're, we're loving it so far, honestly. We got our copy about a month ago, so we didn't start right at the beginning of the year. But, you know, we've been looking for a long time for some way to, to do our worship time, devotion time together, which is something we've, we've struggled to do over the last six years of our marriage, like just trying to find it a time to, to do that together. So this has been kind of the thing for us and we, we committed to, to doing it and we're, I think we're, we've missed a couple days, but sure, we've caught sure. up on all of those days. So yeah, we're doing pretty well. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about missing days because <laughs> I think that's going to be a theme in our conversations. Um, So Lori and I have definitely missed some days and I was doing the thing in my planner where I cross off each day in the list and I've got this impressive row of X's to look at and say, Oh my goodness, look at me. And then we both got sick and fell behind a little bit and had to face this question of how do you catch up? Now, if you're not familiar with the book, for those listening, it's divided into 31 daily services. And so 
if you miss one of those, I think the easiest thing to do is just the next day you just pick up where you left off. So there's 31 of them. If today is the 15th, tomorrow is the 16th, but for whatever reason we, we don't get to it, then on the 17th, we would just go to day 17 in terms of the liturgy. The question, though, is what do you do with those Bible readings? Because the Bible reading plan is taking you through the Bible in a year, and if you miss a few, it feels like you are, you know, leaving out something. There's, there's a gap. Uh, honestly, in the past, I've always felt like you shouldn't be too hard on yourself, and I've given people this advice if they've asked, you know, I, I've been reading like the one-year Bible or something, and, and then I... I discontinued it. I want to pick it back up. Do I need to catch up or can I just start where I left off? And I always tell people, just start where you left off. Don't make it a hassle. You know, it, it, you've got a whole lifetime to fill in those gaps. Right. But for this experiment, we've really felt like, no, no, we're, we're going to do everything in order and we're doing it all together aloud. And oh. so that makes it a little bit more difficult Uh because you got to find the time and and the fine, the time when you can be together. And so, to, for the listeners who yeah. haven't had the book yet, how how much Bible reading is there every day? So there's about four chapters. It's uh it's the McShane plan, and so it, it's roughly four chapters a day to get you through, and you're reading from four different parts of the Bible, and so you know four chapters in a day may sound like a lot, but if you miss a few days. That really adds up. And so what we did was a catch-up day. So we found a day where we could catch up, and we did these sort of marathon scripture readings. Uh, we read aloud, but we also let the ESV app read aloud to nice. us. Yeah. <laughs> and so we were able to get caught back up, and then we're feeling great. And then February came and the exact same thing happened again. And we're actually halfway through our catch-up process right now. And uh, yeah, so I guess all that just to say, it's it's not something we've done perfectly. We're definitely trying to adapt as as uh, circumstances change, you know, and we're not, not uh, we're not giving up, but we're also not being too hard on ourselves. We're just trying to find a way to to keep up. Yeah. And and that's okay. I mean, it, the the format itself suggests that you can be a little flexible. So right, yeah. You know what I find is our weekday schedule is roughly the same, week in and week out. So it's easy for us to do those, except maybe on a Friday night. So you know, we do we read yes. at night. You know, so usually kind of right before bed. And sometimes Friday nights are different, obviously. And so that that can be a tough one, but on the weekends things just feel different, and so that that has been a struggle for us too, is to figure out when to do this, and you know if if your schedule's a little off. So, but I I agree with what you said. There's there's something to be said for you know not not being angry with yourself or feeling bad for missing something, and just picking up where you left off the next time you you start it and to, and to continue worshiping God, you know, um, you know, we've been, we've been doing something a little different and I don't know if this is, this is good or bad or if anyone should take this, but I, for the last few years have been reading scripture in the mornings as well. And I wanted to keep doing that. So I have been reading two of the four chapters by myself 
and have encouraged Jenny to do the same. And then in the evening, we will read this the two together out loud. And and that's worked a little bit better. It's not quite as much. So when we do miss something, it's only catching up a, a little bit less than than what you're experiencing, it right. sounds like. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I can definitely see the advantages of doing that. So so you guys have have really zeroed in on a consistent time day to day that works for you. Yes. Yeah. Our apart from weekends. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's pretty much like like, I don't know, 7 p.m., you know, like mm-hmm. not right before bed, but kind of after we've eaten, <laughs> <laughs> that would not probably be good for us, you know, right, not too, right. too sleepy yet. But yeah, we've eaten dinner and then we'll we'll sit down and read our own books for a while and then we'll do our, our reading time as well. We've experimented a little bit trying to find the time that works best and it's, uh, it, it, it hasn't always been easy you know, I think we face similar challenges where if it gets put off too long, suddenly the whole day seems like it's it's crashing down around you and you're too tired or whatever to really focus. And and uh, so we started trying to push it earlier and late afternoon ended up being a really good sort of movement, you know, but the day's work is mostly over, but the evening preparation and all that kind of stuff hasn't quite started yet and so it just felt like here's a a a moment of repose that that we could devote to this and i think for people listening who are looking to develop this habit this is one of the questions that that you'll have to figure out where in your day to put this and and depending on you're doing it on your own or doing it with family. Of course, that's going to influence things when you're coordinating schedules. It becomes more challenging. But finding that time, and I'm just guessing, based on my own experience, being able to make it as consistent as possible makes things much more doable. You know, I know at the outset of any sort of discipline like this, it's hard to imagine devoting this much time every day at more or less the same time to a new activity. Everyone feels like they're so busy already. But if you tell yourself, okay, we're going to commit to this, we're going to sacrifice for this, at least long enough to establish the habit, when life does go awry and you do miss it, you miss it. Mm -hmm. We've had this conversation, Laurie and I, where if we've fallen behind, we're like, Oh yeah, I mean we, we need to do this. Like that it's it's a better pattern for us than the more sort of chaotic haphazard you know our schedules did not align kind of living. And so I've I've been interested to see the way that our commitment to do this together has kind of influenced us to think about our schedules. Yeah you know, and, and how they might need to change in order to make it work. And and so I would just encourage people to persevere with that. And you can make it work and it is really worth doing. You know, it, it feels great to spend that time together with Christ, to pray together and to be immersed in the word together. 
and it is really priceless. So it's not something you have to, to do out of a sense of just duty and obligation. You really will feel real benefits as you do it. Yeah, I, I can speak to that. And, you know, just beyond the the coordinating of schedules and all that, I will say that we have really enjoyed the content of the book and we've made it through the month cycle now. So we've, you know, we've read everything that we would read at least in the liturgy in a month and it's really wonderful stuff. Yeah. I mean, they've got just beautiful prayers, really insightful quotes from theologians, you know, thoughtful scripture passages, all, all of it that, and it's what I find is it's focused as a liturgy probably should be on the essentials or like the fundamentals of the Christian faith. So you get like those, those few creeds that you're going to repeat throughout the month. You get the 10 commandments, you get Jesus's teachings. Um, and, and a lot on the Trinity, you know what I found and the Trinity and, and Christology, like that's really awesome stuff. And I think, you know, it's just Jenny and I reading this, but that's the kind of stuff that you want your whole family growing up with. And, and that's kind of the purpose of the catechism, you know, I guess, but this is, this is really doing catechesis in all of its, its elements. Exactly. And kind of on that theme, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking about this in the commentary is we want to encourage people at Grace in particular to check this out mm -hmm. because we think this is a great tool that we can use as a church family to inspire ourselves to be more devoted in prayer, to be more devoted in scripture. And one of the things we'd like to do, in addition to just encouraging you, hey, get the book and start using it, is occasionally having prayer services where we come together and we use the liturgy from the book, just as we would on our own or, or together at home. But we do it all together collectively as a church body so that, number one, we have that experience together. We're all kind of doing the same thing together, which is edifying. But also so that if you're wondering, like, how to do this, and it would be beneficial to do it with other people and kind of see it done, if you're doing it on your own and you think, well, this feels awkward, I, I, I bet... Pastor Mark's doing it much better. And then we all get together and you're like, oh no, he does it just the same, mm -hmm. you know, but at least there's that reassurance, you know, that this is, this is the right way. So I think part of enriching the life of our church is a, a church of prayer is just easing our way into this, not just on an individual and even family basis, but, but on a church basis. And you have another book. I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the common theme here is the author. So Jonathan Gibson, who did Be Thou My Vision, has also edited a new book that Westminster uh, Press has just released. It's called I Will Build My Church, and it's a collection of work from a 19th century Irish Presbyterian minister named Thomas Witherow. And relatively obscure, I guess, at least from the point of view of, you know, 21st century in the introductory material. The reason for that is suggested that, that really he lived in a time of great luminaries, you know, as a contemporary of, you know, Charles Hodge. And you think of all the 
old Princeton greats and that sort of thing. Presbyterianism had a, a very full bench <laughs> during this period. So it's not surprising that uh, there are names that aren't as familiar to us. But based on reading this work, which is the first work of his that I've read, I'm, I'm really excited about getting to know Witherow more, but also about this book in particular. And there's a couple of reasons why. So this book is a collection of essays that are focused on church life kind of things. So the first one on the apostolic church is really an explanation of church government. So he looks at the ancient church from the New Testament. He derives principles that we see at work in that church. And then he compares those principles to different kinds of church government to ask which actually reflects what we see happening in the early church. I mentioned he's an Irish Presbyterian. You may not be surprised to learn that Presbyterianism aligns best with those <laughs> principles. But I think we don't always have a familiarity with the reasons why we do church the way that we do. And it's easy these days with so many different answers to that question to just assume, well, it doesn't really matter how you do things. Some people do it this way. Other people do it that way. It can be helpful to have an accessible explanation for why you would want to do things presbyterianly. So he does that. Then he's got another work that's on baptism. And this I highly recommend because he engages with two main questions, which is the mode of baptism and then who should receive baptism. And it is not sort of a pointy-headed academic work. It's much more of an, a conversational, polemical work. And it's engaging mostly with Anabaptist views. And because we're often having that conversation about baptism with people who are trying to think through what baptism is and, and, and maybe um, are trying to reevaluate some of what they grew up with or were taught before, I think this is a really helpful essay for that because he looks at the underlying assumptions. He kind of pulls apart some of the inconsistencies that when you've grown up thinking a certain way, you're not really aware that you're making assumptions. You think that you're just reading the Bible plainly. And I think he does a very good job of, of showing inconsistencies that can be eye-opening. Um, it is argumentative, you know? I mean, right. occasionally there's, there's a little bit of uh, holy sarcasm deployed, but, it, <laughs> but it's kind of humorous. And, uh, and, and, and very readable. So and it, it's not super long either. So I think for lay people, especially who, who want to know how to think about baptism, who have grown up with a lot of Baptist ideas and have not really been able to understand why you would see things differently, this, this might be a really good resource and then the final section of the book is actually about what our last episode was about, which is the Sabbath. And so he talks about the, the Presbyterian, sort of the classic reform view of the Sabbath, why it is the way that it is, 
whether it's a good thing, whether it needs to be changed and relaxed. So very similar to the conversation that we had, um, just more detail, I guess, and and uh, and probably much more learned and 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 helpful than <laughs> than our than, episode was. Right, yeah. right. Than our our off the cuff remarks. Yeah. Cool. Well, it sounds very Presbyterian. So that yeah, makes me absolutely. excited. <laughs> absolutely. And and I think uh, really skirts that that line really well between doctrinal and readable. Sure. You know, and it's it's often the case that you know, people really interested in theology will recommend books that a lay person finds difficult. Right. You know, because they're, they assume you've read a lot of other stuff beforehand and they don't always explain things clearly. And, and so what I like about this is that it is, it's, it's got the integrity of a really sharp mind thinking about these things, but it's also intended to connect with people thinking through these issues for the first time. And so uh, best of both worlds, really. Yeah. I was going to ask about the, you said these were essays kind of, or, or what, yeah, what was I'm the calling, context? I'm calling them essays. So yeah. they're, they're different, you know, different forms that, that he wrote. I think the apostolic church is, is probably more like a, a book than an essay, but, but like a long tract and the others were shorter pieces, but they've all been kind of collected together in this anthology, kind of in a similar way to, uh, you know, you have anthologies of, you know, Calvin and Luther and that sort of thing that kind of bring different pieces they wrote together. And so this has a similar, um, similar quality to it. Cool. I like the idea that it's, that it's not a systematic theology, you know, I mean, sometimes it's just too overwhelming to like sit down with, a whole systematic theology and you feel like, you know, you got to read the prolegomena before right. you can get to anything right. else. And it's just like way too much to, yeah. to get to the thing that you want to, that you're curious about. So it's nice to have just like three subjects where I can go a little bit deeper and get some answers to my questions. Yeah. I think what I really like about it is exactly that because I am the person that when you come to with the specific question, why do Presbyterians do baptism this way? You know, I want to give you a long-winded, well, first we need to talk about, you know, all this other stuff. And, and you know, eventually we'll get to this question of baptism that you're so interested in. But there's so much you need to see first yeah. contextually and in terms of the assumptions that, uh, that I'm just thinking I will be so happy to have a book that I can recommend to people and just say, I'm going to give you a really complex, long-winded answer. But if you read this Witherow piece first, he's going to give you a much more succinct hard-edged in your face here's the arguments this is what's wrong with those arguments here's what you ought to think about these things and it, it's much easier to kind of dive into and and he's he is answering the questions that people who grew up like i did as baptists have about baptism he's undermining the the assumption that that the bible teaches the baptist view and not the Presbyterian view. He's demonstrating kind of how we should read these things. And he's doing it in a way that's, you know, you can sit down and read this in a sitting. And it is the kind of thing you kind of get sucked into. If you're interested in these things at all, like I say, it's not dry. If you start dipping into his work, you're just going to find yourself reading more and more. And one more time, what's the title of the book? 
So it's called I Will Build My Church by Thomas Witherow, and it's edited by Jonathan Gibson. So mm -hmm. if you just uh, are interested in the books that we've been talking about, we'll obviously put links in the show notes, but you can also just Google Jonathan Gibson and, and these will pop up as well. And obviously we're always excited about books and recommending books and that kind of thing. But, but I kind of think the, the things that we've been talking about in this episode are special because they do have a, uh, an impact on our everyday faith, whether it's the, the liturgy for daily worship or knowing how to think about some of these basic aspects of our faith. These are both great books to, to get because you'll, you'll live with them for the rest of your life. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already gotten a copy of Be Thou My Vision, we'll include links in the show notes to make it easy. I highly recommend giving this daily liturgy a try. We'll also include a link to Thomas Witherow's I Will Build My Church. If you're thinking through baptism, especially coming from a Baptist background, this is a great resource to use. If you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org. 